people. I'm sure there's a conspiracy to see how much can we make the speaker cringe just before he stands up. Uh, good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you this morning. Look at our new series. Where's my first slide? Everybody just turn around. Everybody turn around. Look at the people on the back there. Because if you put them under pressure, they, they respond quicker. They're all these, oh, oh, I'm losing there. I'm losing there. Okay, I'm just going to, okay, just while they're sorting out the PowerPoint, just want to say, um, yay, love never. Um, that's our new series, Love Never. I just want to make just a personal announcement, if possible. Um, if you would like to see my mum, I would prefer you now if you could give me a call first, because um, we're getting to the point with her where it's probably just going to be close family seeing her now. Is that okay? So don't just pop up to the hospital or anything. Just give me a call first. We all all right with that? Yeah. Somebody nod? Excellent. Brilliant. You are fantastic people. Um, please keep praying for her. Um, she's in a great place with God. Um, we went in the other day and uh, she's, she's got a nurse been saying to her, so why are you not frightened? You're about to, to, to die. Why are you not frightened? So she said, well, sit down. I'll tell you all about it. So we went in and there's a nurse sat under the window while my mum's explaining the whole gospel and the whole salvation thing. And Come on. Um, so, you know, that's living in Christ. And that's, that's kind of uh, exciting to see. So, but please do give me a call. Um, if that's all right, before you uh, think about popping up, I'll let you know how things are. Excellent. So our new series is Love Never. I was going to call it the Summer of Love, uh, but Julie said that might be inappropriate, especially for those of you that had an exciting time in 1967 on drugs and feeling free and easy. Was anybody around in 1967 in the Summer of Love? Yeah, but were any of you young enough to enjoy the Summer of Love? <laughs> 1967 was apparently the original San Francisco summer of love for all the hippies out there. Okay. Um, so I decided I might not call it the summer of love after all, being as it was all the free love and drugs connotation um, may not be the most appropriate thing to do. So we're calling it Love Never on this new series. It's a Love Never because we're going to explore the theme of not love, but the bigger picture. We'll be talking about owning tools and why you need to know why you own them and what you do with the tools that you've got and why they're dangerous if you don't know what you're doing with them. We're going to talk about all sorts of soft things and hard things and big things and small things, but we're going to explore this whole concept of love, but not close up, because when you look at things close up, you don't always get the whole picture. Does anybody know what this picture is? Starry, starry night. By? Starry, starry night by Vincent van Gogh. And how can you tell that? Because you've actually seen this picture. Yes. This picture you've seen. Yeah, in, the, um, in Paris. It's always good <laughs> to see the bigger picture. Because we can zoom in on the detail and we can assume all sorts of things. And we can decide and live our life up close and personal. But when you take a step back, you discover that Van Gogh was a massive Batman fan. <laughs> this is from the original oil-painted comic book series. Sorry, Jules, but I didn't know you were going to be the one that bit. Just bear those two images in mind. You know, it's so easy to zoom in 
on some aspect of our life, some aspect of scripture, some aspect of being a Christian, some aspect of church, some aspect of the world, some aspect of the news, and to hone in on that element when actually we have a God with a big view. And he wants us to share his big view. So often we can read Bible verses like this. So let me read to you these very famous Bible verses. Um, I read them this week. Um, they're always read uh, so often in church. And it goes this way. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Familiar with it? Isn't it interesting? You are familiar with that, aren't you? Come on. Look, I'm one of these people. I do need to know that you're breathing. I need feedback. All right? So, it's a familiar verse, but we never read it in context. We zoom in on the bit that we love. My sister's got a new dog. And it is the cutest, cuddliest, fluffiest ball of wool in the world. And yesterday, she bathed it. Oh, it was like cotton wool on legs. And I can't bear dogs like that, but it steals your heart. And so you're homing on the little fluffy body. But let me tell you this, that's not the whole picture. Step back from it, it's got sharp bits at one end and sticky bits at the other because it's a puppy. That's the big picture. So when you get a dog for Christmas, a dog is for life, not just for Christmas. We've got to look at the big picture. We've got to zoom out from the small picture that can be beautiful. But when we zoom out, we get the whole picture. We get to see our life in the Christ context. And that's what we're going to be about over this series. So when I'm speaking and speaking on the uh, Love Never series that I'll be doing over the summer, um, we're going to be trying to see ourselves in the Christ context, our lives in his context, how we respond to love, what that means, how the gifts of the Spirit work in that context of love. Uh, So I want to ask you one thing before I go any further. What do you love? Sarah. Sarah. Well, love. Oh, the look on Sarah's face. You're not on the sofa tonight. It's the first time in some time, isn't it? Sarah. Anybody else? What do you, all the fellas are now thinking, oh, pants I've got. If I shout my wife's name out now, it's too late. What do you love? Shoes. Bass guitars. Xbox. Family. Jesus, oh, I love the Lord. Music. Tottenham. Bless. Chocolate. We love lots of things. We can focus in on certain things. And we we can... But love is so much bigger than just the one thing. The context of that in Christ is so enormous. So let me share with you these verses. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. 
Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It, It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, never fails. But where there are prophecies... They will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, but we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. But we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully. Even as I am known fully. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Now, you won't all know this, but from a church context, why, why is there a line there? That's mysterious. Um, in a church context like ours, these are dangerous verses. Because if you're not into the gifts of the Spirit, these are all the verses you used to say while well, prophecies and things have ended. And if you are into the Holy Spirit, these are all the verses you used to say that they are continuing, but they're a bit awkward. So this is like, ooh, we need to understand this stuff. But hey, you know, we're Hope House, we don't shy away from things. So over the next few sermons, we're going to do battle with this. We're going to try and find the full picture. Because I think finding the full picture in this will give us the full picture of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit, primarily love. There's a relationship between the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? There is a relationship. They are intertwined. They are not separate. They need to be together. But one serves life while the other brings life. One can be seen while the other is experienced. That is the difference between the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to unpack that. We're going to unpack miracles. I would like to unpack miracles over the next few weeks. Yay! I would like to unpack prophecy over the next few weeks. Yay! I would like to unpack tongues over the next few weeks. Yay! Self-sacrifice. Yay! Well, yeah, that's quite impressive, that. And more gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to unpack those things over the next few weeks. Uh, But what we're going to discover in the process of that is The gifts of the Spirit are the tools that help us grow lives filled by the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the loving character of Christ for us. Love is the motivation to move in the gifts of the Spirit, to bring that fruitfulness of the Spirit into our lives, the loving character of Christ in us. So they're the two positions I'm taking on this over the next few weeks. That's the essence of community, of church, of identity, of tribe, the relationship of those and the outworking of love. But there's an interesting word we need to begin with in this introduction session, and that's if. 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 Anybody use that word very often? If. It's always conditional, isn't it? It's one of those, if you do this, I'll do that. If that happens, I'll consider it. If words. The Greek word if, um, that we translate if, is a good kind of Barnsley sounding for it. It's... E am. It is. It's E H A N. E am. Not E am. But E am, it's good to see you. <laughs> it means to think on this. The Greek word means to think on this. Consider this thought. Consider this action. Consider the motivation. 
It's more than just our little word for if. We translate it that way, but it's a bigger, bigger word than that. If I speak in the language of an angel, uh, the word for that used in Scripture there, Anglos, an angel, is also the same word used on occasion for pastor. So your pastor speaks like an angel. <laughs> Enjoy. The language of heaven Effectively, what those verses are saying is the language of heaven is angelic. The language of, of, of heaven is pastoral. It's, a, it's the language of a pastor. Ah, beautiful thing. The language of heaven pastors us. The language of heaven, it shepherds us. It protects us. It cares for us. That is the, because it's the language of God. And we matter in that. That's a beautiful thing. If I prophesy and have knowledge, Scripture, this if, prophecy, knowledge, one is about spiritual mysteries, the prophecy and the other knowledge is very specifically in Greek scientific knowledge. So I can have spiritual knowledge and insight and revelation. And I can have scientific knowledge and insight and revelation. If love is bigger than those. If I have faith to the extent that it says if I say to a mountain, get up and move there. And it gets up and moves there. Who would be impressed if that happened? If I went outside now and said, car park, be tarmacked, and it was tarmacked, that was the tongues about bit, that's tongues, I'll explain that later, and it was tarmacked in faith, how impressed would you be by your pastor? Oh, come on, you know you would, you'd be like dumbfounded, you'd be speechless. But if I did that without love, what would the point be? That's what this is saying. If I give away to others, if I give everything I've got for others, if I die for others, the original Greek there says if I, if I endure hardships, it actually says if I give myself over to be burned alive in Greek. But we soften that because that's a bit barbaric, isn't it? But that's what the Greek actually says. It doesn't say hardship. We make it nice in English, say hardship. But the writer to the, the Corinthians, Paul actually says, if I were to be burned, but I've not love, it would count for nothing. That's powerful words. You see, it's about one of two things. The if word is challenging us. You see, it may be the correct thing to do, prophesy, tongues, speak in faith, give, surrender. They may be the correct things to do, but if there isn't a heart of love, it's just legalism. They're the correct thing to do, but is it the right way to be? We need to be the right way to be because that has freedom. Not doing the right thing to do because that can be legal. We want to do it out of freedom. We want to do it out of love. So our actions need to be driven by. See, when I'm on the motorway and I'm not on a smart motorway, I drive with freedom. Does anybody know what that means? It means I can do 80 miles an hour comfortably with a smile on my face because I can drive with freedom. If I'm on a smart motorway that has permanent fixed speed cameras, I will drive at 70 miles an hour because I know that I will get a ticket if I do over 70 miles an hour because it is a smart motorway. Some of you may have experienced a new smart motorway on the M1 M62. Many of you may be paying for that experience as we speak twice. 
freedom actually would be me choosing to do 70 miles an hour when there are no speed cameras because it's the right thing to do. It's the right way to be. So therefore, Christian brothers and sisters, who's going to speed again this week in their car? Raise your hands now. Who's going to drive at a sensible speed limit for the rest of the week? Out of love for the law. You get the idea. One is about, it's about our motivation. This is about our motivation before God. This is about our motivation before people. We can do all the right things, but if our motivation is wrong, if our heart is wrong, it it isn't about love. It becomes about me. Uh, See, another word in the Greek is but. I put but. And the Greek word there is de. D-E-H. It means moreover, but bigger than that stuff. First of all, consider this. It's that kind of but. That's how we translate it. But, stop, wait, listen to this. Bigger than that stuff. Bigger than the ifs. There is not love. And the love is the agape love in Greek. It's the charity. It's the benevolence. But it's more than just putting money in a charity box. It's describing a state of heart and mind. It's describing a connection. It's describing a real passion, a commitment to someone, or a commitment to something. That's what the scripture is describing there. An absolute God passion, a kind of Christ heart towards. So it's not just being nice because it's the right thing to do. It's a genuine passion for people. It's the truth. It comes from within. It's an integrity growing up and out. So I worked for a company some years ago. They were called Eurotech. Has anybody heard of Eurotech? Oh, good, because they got into all sorts of legal trouble. It wasn't me. Uh, I was exonerated. The, the CID did come to talk to me, didn't they? And they worked out I was innocent. So that was pleasing. You'd be glad to know. I worked for a company that had brand new buildings. They had brand new computers. They had brand new vans. They had brand new uniforms. They had brand new uniform, uh, brand new brochures. They were impressive and exciting until I discovered everything was rented. Nothing was real. And the owners were creaming off all the money, pretending they bought things. And they weren't paying anything. They were accumulating lots and lots of money, actually a couple of million pounds, because there was no substance to what they were doing. It was all false. Looked good it imploded. There was no heart. You know, what we've got to be careful of is that we're not giving the appearance of doing the right, appearance of praying, appearance of prophesying, appearance of speaking in tongues, appearance of caring, appearance of passion. Because all of those things are the right things to do. But if they aren't coming from a heart of love, they become hollow. And so they take on a greater depth and a greater strength. So I might prophesy a true word over your life, But if I prophesy it legally, that's one thing. But if I prophesy it out of love and with compassion and with care, then it brings something more. It deepens a relationship. It brings healing, not division. It brings love and it brings connection. See, I think the prophetic word should always be building. There may be correcting words that we have to bring to people, but never divisive words. We should always be seeking to love and to embrace and connect and to love. Because that's the nature of us. But of course we're human, so we're not brilliant at that stuff all the time. But it should be our heart to grow in that. See, impressive words of prophecy. Fancy new buildings like we're in now. Spiritual exp- Well, you might not think it's fancy. It's fancy to us. We've just moved in. F- 
fancy new buildings and pressing words of, of prophecy, spiritual experiences, they're all an empty shell without the word love. Love is bigger than all of those things. At Hope House, I'm seeing something, though. At Hope House, I get excited because I'm seeing something bigger than good impressions. Fighting through some tough battles, I see people that love, that love the town, that love one another, that love the church, and most importantly, they love Christ. And I love that. I love that. I see that rising up. What I'm excited by is when I see people have life challenges in front of them. And yet, they continue. Yet they keep turning up here. Yet they keep meeting together. They know against the odds, somehow, this is where they should be. And you know, one of the most beautiful things I think about church that I love, whatever they set in, whether it be here or somewhere else, is the character that grows, this Christ character that grows within us, that we don't always see. We don't always recognize it in ourselves. See, Christ on the night he was betrayed gave thanks he was in the right place, serving the Lord out of absolute love. And sometimes there are people here, there are people in this room, I'm not going to avoid catching high, high contact, but there are people in this room that have faced things, that are facing things. And they've had reason to give up and say, this is not working, this is not me, this is not happening. Why do this? I don't get this. Why is my life so difficult? And yet, somehow they're drawn back. They're drawn back. It's like being drawn back again and again the foot of the cross, drawn back again and again to being around Christ's people. When we don't understand, when we can't join, together, join it together, when we can't fit the pieces in the jigsaw, yet something is in our heart that says, and yet, I want to tell you, I think that is the love of Christ. I think that is the care, that is the bigger picture. That actually is the character of Christ beginning to grow, taking root, taking seed. And so often people think, they'll say, I'm not a good Christian. I haven't prophesied yet. I'm not a good Christian. I can't speak in tongues. I'm not a good Christian. I find it hard to pray. I'm not good. And they will tell me all the reasons they're not good Christians. And better still, they'll tell me all the reasons I'm not a good Christian. And that happens fairly often. But when we meet together, we all know there's some reason. And we gather together in Jesus' name. And that is a beautiful thing. Let me explore that a little bit. We are in, not out. God is not swayed by appearances, but is fully aware of our inside thinking and motives, our heart, what we truly love, what matters most for us, what we're willing to live and die for. So it wasn't a joy this morning to hear Johnny shout out and say, I love Sarah, I'd take a bullet for her. A little more worrying when some people shouted out PlayStation. Would you take a bullet for your PlayStation? Robert probably would, actually. Yeah, Robert would take a bullet for his PlayStation. Because God sees on the inside, not on the outside. You know if you were to read Scripture, I can tell you endless stories where people dismiss other people, but God sees them and does not dismiss them, but he sees their heart. We're why people, not what people. Why we do something is more important to God than what we actually do. Both matter to him. But the why reflects the character and attitudes that will live longer than the action. Why we do something is Christ. And that will live longer than anything else. Why do I make coffee? Because I want to serve you, because that's the heart of Christ. But the desire to serve you and to bless you will last longer than the cup of coffee stays warm. 
I know that's an odd example, but get the heart behind this. It's about the heart attitude first. This is what God is calling to us. What a privilege to care for people that way. What a privilege to be around people. What a privilege to love people and be loved. What an opportunity to have why in our lives. This is why we do something. This is why we meet. And you know, the, the, the really joyful thing is, is, aren't people brilliant? Okay. Aren't people brilliant? Have you ever tried living in a world without people? It's a really strange place. I, I encourage you to go to Meadowall at about nine o'clock when there are no people in there. It's creepy. It's really odd. People are great. Now, I don't love, I'm not a big crowd lover. I like personal space. I like my space. I'm not a big hugger. I don't go into that. I can love you without having the need to like physically grapple with you. Um, if you get a side hug from me, you're doing well. If you give me the bear hug thing, all I'm probably going to be thinking is, hmm, links, maybe, hope so. I'm just like uptight. But people are amazing. Because broken people, hurt people, successful people, people with all sorts of motivations, people with uh, lots of money, people with no money, people with successful lives, people with failed lives, people with great educations and no educations, people with great health and people with terrible health, do this remarkable thing. They connect to Christ. And we begin to see that happening in the context of church. Because we are why people. Why? Because Christ loves And we carry that. So I encourage you, Christ, character, actions are the Holy Spirit gifts. They will always grow Holy Spirit fruit, which is the Christ character life. So if we prophesy or speak in tongues, if we pray for healing, if we pray and and move in great faith, what is that about? It is about placing us in a great place to grow in the fruit of the Holy Spirit, to grow in the character of Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I'm not going to sing it. Such there is no more. The gifts of the Spirit are there to equip us, to grow us in the character and the nature of Christ. There to empower us, but in the context of this, it helps us to be Christ-like. Thus, God looks to heal. God looks to heal the inner root cause, not just our symptoms. Anybody here got symptoms? Do you know what a symptom is? A symptom in this context could be bad mood. It could be depression. It could be all sorts of different things. It could be over-the-top exuberance. It could be non-stop talking, it could be silence, it could be a million things, it could be all sorts of issues, all sorts of ways of living, all sorts of ways of doing, but God's dealing with the inside, the root of who you are. And in the root of who you are, he's placing his DNA, he's transforming you, he's making you Christ-like. So we are being transformed from one degree of glory to another. We are being saved. We are being transformed. We are being renewed in our minds. That is the beauty of our salvation. We are new, not old. New means core change, not cosmetic change. Who would like cosmetic surgery? Raise your hand now. Okay, so here's what I'm having. I'm having liposuction. I'm having bicep implants. 
I've always wanted my teeth whitening, except when I went to the dentist and said, just out of curiosity, why are you doing a checkup? Any chance of having my teeth whitened? And he said, with your enamel, no chance. It's the most porous enamel I've ever seen. Your teeth are so soft. If I whiten them, they will dissolve. But I can crown them for you all. Yeah, I bet you can. How much would that cost? Well, we've got a package starting about four and a half thousand pounds. Thank you, I love my teeth. Is that, we'd like, does anybody here not take care of the cosmetic? Who brushed their hair this morning? Oh. <laughs> Who had a shower this morning? Oh. Who put lipstick on this morning? I knew, I knew some of you fellas were going to do it. You're so predictable. <laughs> we get washed, we get dressed, we look presentable, we want to look something like, we're concerned about the spot. Anybody had a spot on the end of the nose or anything like that? Oh, you don't even have to be handsome. You can be like just average looking like me. And this morning I noticed a red dot on the side of my nose. I'm now terrified that in the morning I'm going to wake up and it's going to be one of those. <laughs> to spoil this beautiful visage. We're concerned about the cosmetic, the outside. But here's the, here's the deal. God is concerned with the substance. Yeah, yeah. Jesus is dealing with who we are. De- Jesus is transforming us. He's dealing with that stuff inside. Yeah, he cares about the stuff on the outside, but he's dealing with my eternity. He's not dealing with this transitory body that's going to be here today and, and he's, he's gone and scorched like grass or flowers in the heat of the day. This, this thing passes away, but who I am in Christ is an eternal being. And so what happens now, what I allow him to do, how we respond, how we live our lives, how we contain all of this stuff is really important. So the, the things we get wound up about, the, the symptoms that we let burst out of our moods and our temperaments, our concerns, our fears, our doubts, all of these kinds of things on the cosmetic, the outside, let's let Christ deal with who we are. Let's start living our eternity. Scripture actually talks about your kingdom come. And our kingdom is coming into our lives now. We get a foretaste of that eternity with Christ. And church, what I'm saying to you this morning is love is the biggest foretaste of your kingdom come. And out of that love, the gifts of prophecy and of tongues and of healing, of prayer and of faith, they can all bubble and emerge. They can all burst out. But the motivation must always be love for Christ, love for his people, love for the lost. New, not old. Jesus says, build on making all things new. Because when the Holy Spirit transforms a person, he literally changes the heart. So we are new creations, Scripture said. We're not repair jobs. We are new creations. And of our minds, it says they are being renewed. Not remanufactured. Renewed. They are new again. This is a function that only God can do. This is why agape love, benevolence love, this open love, this group love. Love is so important because it invites Jesus to enter the inner recesses of who we are and gives him reign to recreate our nature in his nature. It says in Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So I want to guard this heart, because my heart loves things. It loves anything. Anybody stood in a garage by the sweet counter? My heart falls in love. It loves anything. If it's shiny, I love it. If it's got, if it's got an engine and makes a noise and blows gas out the back, and he's, I love it. I don't, don't matter how big or small the motorcycle is. don't matter how big or small the engine is. If it's got petrol and burns it, I love it. I can't help it. But here's the deal. I have a fickle heart. 
then I need the Lord to contain. I need the Lord to lead on. I need the Lord to bring consistency to. I need the Lord to hold. Because the condition of my heart will always dictate the condition of my life. Our Father God is not impressed by how our life looks, but by the love of our heart in the way it reflects him. That matters. So I'm going to ask the band to come back up, if you would. See, we are released from performing. As I ask the band to come up and perform. We are released from performing and from appearance. We set free, which is why they're dressed the way they are. We are released from performing and appearance and set free to love and connect. We have that ability to love and connect to real people, our real God and our real lives. That is the freedom in Christ that we have. You know, I don't have to show up at this church and wear the right collar or the right tie. Ladies, you don't have to wear the right hat to be here. None of that. You just have to be here because Christ loves you and you are welcome and you belong. Because I, I, I think that is the source of our Monday morning capacity, knowing that we're acceptable to Christ, being loved by Christ and loving like Christ. So take a moment. Just as a band begin to do that thing that they do in the Holy Spirit, which is a gift. Take a moment to consider your heart. Take a moment to consider your heart behind your living actions. What motivates your actions? What motivates your emotions? What motivates your responses? What motivates your thinking? We're all imperfect humans, but we are being renewed in Christ. So I'm not asking you to beat yourself up or tear yourself apart, to be angry at yourself or angry at another. I'm simply saying, we get to stand before God and say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. And we're acceptable to Him. Then He can begin to renew our minds. He can begin to change our heart, to recreate us, to heal us, to forgive us, to transform us, to pour His Spirit into us, to equip those around us to pour His love into us so we become more Christ-like. And then we are built up. We are built up as we gather. We're built up in Christ. So when we leave and we enter our Monday morning experience, when we're in a classroom, when we're at the garage, when we're in front of people, when we face the circumstance of life, we carry the love of Christ. We carry the love of Christ. We carry something bigger. So let's say this morning, I want to grow from the inside out, to be renewed, and to know that the Lord sees that conviction and desire. Here's what I'd love us to do this morning as the band leaders in worship. If you want to, I'm going to ask as they sing, as they begin to lead, as you can stand. But as we stand in our worship, if you're comfortable doing that, then let that be an action that says, Lord, here I am. I'm available to you. I want to grow from the inside out. I want your love within me so your love can be carried out to others. So that if I pray for them, I pray out the love of Christ, not out of necessity or legalism. If I bring a word over their life, a prophetic word, I bring it out of love in Christ. If I pray and speak in tongues, I do it out of the love of Christ. If I speak and declare things in faith, I do it in the love of Christ. So that we begin to reflect, and we begin to be who the Lord has called us to be. So that's where we're going to go over these next few weeks. We're going to explore the details of the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to explore the connection that they have with the fruit of the Spirit. Where does the gift of prophecy connect with the character of Christ? Where does the gift of tongues connect with the heart of Christ?
Christ with the pastoral voice of heaven. We're going to explore those things. But this morning it will be good to be in a place where each of us are ready to say, Lord, here I am. I'm available. This is who I am. Renew me. Renew my mind. Guard my heart. I want to be yours. I want to be available. I want my motives to be pure. I want them to be Christ-like. If you'd like prayer for that, then you are really welcome to just come and stand privately and quietly at the frontier and the leadership team will come and stand with you and pray for you. I trust they'll pray for you in the love of Christ because they want to be there for you. Just want to stand where you are or sit where you are as we worship. That will be fine. But this morning, let's focus on Christ because love never fails.